You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, um, I don't know what just happened. Um, I, I hit a wrong button or something, and um, about 30 minutes of recording got deleted. So that was cool. Um, not... Um, not my favorite thing. And now I'm sitting here going, what the heck was I talking about? I got to redo everything. I had a, I had a clip from the ain't nobody got time from that lady. I'm not doing that again. Cause I ain't got, I, cause I don't have time for that quite frankly. Um, anyways, whatever. I, I, I see now I got to do it all over again with the same enthusiasm, with a big smile on my face as though I'm not annoyed. <laughs> I'm starting over. Hey guys, guess what we're going to talk about today? Friggin', um, <laughs> jeez. Uh, be happy. All right, here we go. Good morning, by the way. Hello. Nice to see your face. So I, w- I wanted to clarify one thing. Yesterday, when I had recorded my podcast, I did listen to the NFL Draft podcast on this podcast. I'm going to try to not say podcast too many more times in a row, but I listened to it and it was great. But here's, here's a, th- a thing that I got to admit. I didn't really finish it. <laughs> and the only reason I bring that up, that I was 70% finished with it, is that I didn't get to the part where they talked about Sky Moore on the podcast. And I bring that up because I went on a, a big thing about Sky Moore yesterday, and I mentioned he actually, and I thought it was a, a you know really unique take, he actually really reminds me of Randall Cobb. So I finish up my podcast, I pick up my phone, I'm like, all right, let's finish that episode and within five seconds, they're talking about Sky Moore, and they ended the, they concluded it by saying he's kind of a Randall Cobb type. And I'm like, dang it! I mean, it 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 helped me feel vindicated. Like, oh, I'm maybe I'm smart about some stuff. I don't know. Sometimes I'm smart, but at the same time, it's like, dude, everyone's just gonna be like, you just ripped off your own show, dummy. Trying to sound all smart, like we didn't just listen to your own <laughs> your own people give that take, and you're over here like, I got this crazy idea. I don't know what you guys think about my own personal thoughts that nobody else has, but I'm um, kind of thinking he's like Randall Cobb. I did not hear them say that. But while we're on that topic, as I ran through, um, you may remember if you listened to that episode, and again, if you didn't, go back and do that. By the way, Clayton with a banger last night, and I did finish it just this morning. I got to listen to stuff in stages, man. When I'm at work, I can listen to things straight through, but once I get home and start listening to stuff, it's, you know, between... 10 seconds and five minutes at a time, depending on how much time I get. But, you know, when you're trying to listen to a podcast and it's like every 10 seconds, somebody has to ask you a question or tell you a story. And after about three minutes of that, you realize I have no idea what I've listened to because you can't put together coherent sentences and concepts and, and, and thoughts in eight second segments, right? 
And then Sky Moore with his, uh, you know, his athleticism. And then, hey, did I tell you about the lady at the store? Pause. What? Did I tell you about the lady at the store? No. There was a lady at the store. She had a funny hat on and it fell off. Okay. Play. He's got just this incredible way of, of doing Daddy? Pause. Yeah. Can you open this? Yes. Here you go. Okay. Play. Scratched his face, and then you never know where he's going to be. You know? You just never... It's, all right. I don't know. I don't know what that means. That's not a sentence. What does that even mean? Delete. I'm deleting the episode. I'm just throwing my phone in the garbage. Can't do it, man. I got to hear the thought all the way through. Maybe some people's minds can work that way, where it's, they just they can store each individual portion in their brain and remember it and pause and play and pause and play. I can't do it. So then I got to rewind, 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 like 30 seconds until I kind of, oh yeah, I remember they talked about this fast forward 10 seconds. All right, here we go. Hey dad, guess what? Okay, all right. In the garbage goes my phone forever. But I did finish Clayton's episode. You should definitely listen to it. <laughs> it's not just home. Sometimes it happens at work too. And then in my car, for some reason, it's like, I could listen to a podcast, but Kind of feel like listening to music, even though this is my one opportunity to just crush something. In fact, I should probably just put on an audiobook because I could rip through like two books a week if I did that. Probably not, but you know, I mean, if I did that on top of listening at work and listening at home, I probably could. I could grow as a human being. Nah, I'm going to go listen to Band of Gypsies, which by the way, it's phenomenal. I don't know why. It was one of those things that just randomly flashed into my brain. Jimi Hendrix made a um, an album with just a, a a band called a Band of Gypsies, and it was it's it's pretty great. If you don't know, you should listen to it. It's pretty good. But anyways, I I point is I get distracted. Sometimes I get distracted. What are we even talking about right now? It's hard to finish podcasts. I did finish Clayton's. Um, anyways, I guess I'm just in the mood to play clips. <laughs> it's my third clip. Only one of them made it on the show. In fact, I'm going to save the episode right now because I'm paranoid now. Anyways, in addition, after I had listened to that, they go on and they're talking about other wide receiver prospects, which is the second portion of their show. And immediately they start talking about what about Days two and three. And both of them have a unanimous guy that we've got to talk about. And let me just put it this way. If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, and you're not yet an Alec Pierce fan, A-L-E-C, I have to assume it's because you have not watched a lot of Alec Pierce. Now, that's not me trying to be arrogant and being like, if you knew how to watch film, no, got nothing to do with that. Go right now to YouTube, type in Alec Pierce Highlights. Click on, I believe, the first episode. The first or second pass that's in there is going to activate a portion of your brain, and maybe it's going to take you directly there. I kind of went floating somewhere, and error code started going off in my brain telling me, something's wrong, we've seen this already. There's some kind of a glitch in the matrix, man, I, I don't know what's going on, some kind of weird wormhole thing, because we've seen this before, this exact play, except he was wearing a Green Bay Packers jersey, and it was Jordy Nelson doing it. Now... I'm sure if I tell you that he reminds me of Jordy Nelson and he's a 6'3 white dude, you're going to say, yeah, because he's a 6'3 white dude. Just shut up and go watch him and then tell me I'm lying. Then tell me it's just because he's white, all right? Because I'm telling you, everything about this guy reminds me of Jordy Nelson. Not just the way he looks, but the way he runs, the way he wins. He's got the deep speed. 
He's constantly winning on, on deep routes. Watching this guy walk in a post route, having just cooked somebody, you know, wide open, middle of the field, running a post route. It's like, this is freaking Jordy. Did Jordy die like 20 years ago and get reincarnated? Or I'm not going to make any other kind of implications because he's a good dude, but sorry about that. I should turn that off so you can't hear all my computer noises. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's weird, man, the way he wins off the line of scrimmage, you know? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of similar to what I said about Sky Moore. When I say he's a good route runner, it means a different thing, right? He's not a Chris Olave good route runner. He's not a Sky Moore good route runner. He's not a Jahan Dotson good route runner. He's not a Garrett Wilson good route runner. He's, he's a different, he's got a different thing. He's slippery off the line, right? He's not just physical. He's real slippery. He's got a, a real good first step wiggle, and he's able to kind of get free and just boom, get up the field. I don't know necessarily about his ability to break, you know, like Sky Moore, where he just He's so sudden, not like Olave, who's so smooth, but he, he does just enough to win, and he has all the tools to do the rest. He's got just enough um, wiggle and movement and athleticism to beat the guy, to run the route, to be where he needs to be. And then on top of that, he's got the speed, and he's got the size at six foot three, and he's got great hands. This guy is six foot three, 211 pounds. He ran a 441. 441. Now, again, we hear 441 these days and kind of shrug like, meh, 441. Let me remind you again there was a day that we had a bunch of wide receivers that ran 444 and, and like one guy that ran 442. Right? I think Trevor Davis, who was like our speed guy, was a 444 guy. And I think Jeff Janis was like a 442, and it was like, that guy's got next level speed. It, we've been spoiled by how many guys run in the high four threes. By the way, four three nine and four four one are basically the exact same time. Over forty yards, we're talking two hundredths of a second, which is, I believe, what uh, Olave ran or Garrett Wilson. They're they're one of them is four three eight, one of them is four three nine, but they're all basically the same time. And again, six three two eleven. I'm not talking one hundred eighty five pounds. This guy is a monster, and he has blazing speed. And we don't talk about Alec Pierce as having blazing speed because, again, we, when we're looking for speed, we're looking for guys that run 4.35, 4.37, 4.38. If we draft Alec Pierce, we get the size-speed combo. We do. I mean, he doesn't have Jamison Williams' speed, but he's built like a Green Bay Packers wide receiver. He plays exactly like a Green Bay Packers Hall of Famer, which, granted, probably doesn't play into the equation very much. But remember, we, we, we talk about Jordy Nelson being a... a Big, bigger wide receiver than people gave him credit for, and a faster wide receiver than people gave him credit for. He was 6'2 and a half, 217 pounds, and ran a 4.51. I'm telling you, man, this, this I, I, big shout out to the It's Always Draft Season podcast for getting me on uh, Jordy Nelson 2.0 here because Alec Pierce is a guy to get excited about. Now, again, I'm sure there's a lot of other guys that you can get excited about, and that is my goal for this. My, my goal is, at least through the third round, no matter who we pick, I know who they are, and I have reason to be excited about them. Now, that's, that's not doable. There's going to be guys that I just can't get behind, but Alec Pierce officially got added to the list, and I would encourage you to go watch him. In fact, it's funny because if, if you know about Alec Pierce, you know about the Jordy Nelson comp, because if you just type in Alec Pierce, there's a, a bunch of, it's mostly highlights. There's like two games you can watch as far as his game film. And then I've got two games of his that are all 22. One of them is from 2019. One of them is 2021, uh, which is the Notre Dame game, which I think is the one that you can find on YouTube. Not all 22, but still. 
same game, I do believe. But I mean, you know, and again, it's one of those things where we talk about the same prospects. And I went on Patreon, and I'm going to go through some of these names, and I asked, who's the guy that you're obsessed with? And it's it's largely, it's the draft media's fault. It's draft or Packers bloggers and Packers this and Packers that. And also Packers podcasters, particularly this one, that have not done a good enough job of talking about other prospects. You know, I, I will in passing, and granted, it's not as fun to talk about second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round guys, but there's guys like Alec Pierce that if we end up drafting them in the second round, people are going to be disappointed because they hardly know the guy's name. And we're going to look at it and go, it, it's, it's a perfect fit. How did we not know? If this is the Packers' first pick in the second round, the you know draft Twitter, draft community, everybody's probably going to have a meltdown that they reached again, and here go the Packers, burr, burr, burr. And you're going to look at it and go, this is, this is exactly a Packers pick. Every single thing about the guy. And yes, he also checks the box of can he be an X receiver? Yes. He can beat the guy on the outside. He can win in press coverage. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got everything. And I'm sure there's flaws to his game. There's a reason he's a third-round pick. Probably not, again, the, the smoothest, best, most complete route runner in the class. But again, I, that is going to be my, my theory at this point about Alec Pierce. If you're a Packer fan and you're not excited about him, it's probably because you haven't watched him. Or you're just really good at film evaluation and you don't get stuck with, you know, every single time you watch somebody, you immediately equate it to which Packer does he remind me of. Like Sky Moore is Randall Cobb and Alec Pierce is Jordy Nelson. But... Um, if you're interested, that is your homework for the day. In fact, I'm going to give you more homework in the near future, but, um, at least watch a little bit and just, just tell me if I'm lying. I don't, I don't care if you like the guy or dislike the guy. That's not really the point. I'm not telling you, you have to like anybody, but tell me that doesn't remind you of Jordy. And by the way, um, elite speed, elite size or great size, elite explosion. One of the things that is important that the Packers and pretty much everybody else puts stock in, but it's seen as another Packers checkbox is three cone. And he did not do very well in his three cones. So that agility thing is problematic. So there would probably be people piping up about that. No, he's not a Packer guy because check out his three cone or whatever. However, if we're talking first round receivers, we're willing to overlook the size and all the other little issues. It's weird how we're willing to throw some Packers things to the side. Like Garrett Wilson, we should trade up and get, despite the fact that he doesn't really fit the Packers thresholds. But 24-year-old defensive tackles and wide receivers with bad three cones, we have to throw out. Why do we get to pick and choose when and how? Is it just based on how much you like them? Maybe. I know that's what my criteria is. <laughs> you know why I want you guys to shut up about Devontae Wyatt's age? Because I'm obsessed with him. It's one of my favorite prospects in this draft class, and I just wish you would stop talking about his age. I wish his age didn't exist. In fact, where I live, in my universe, in my brain, he, he, his age is 21. So I don't know what you're even talking about anymore. It is worth noting, since I, I built it out and I am going through and revising it um, on my big board, that Alec Pierce is one of the lower graded receivers on my board. Um, of the wide receivers that I have that are graded, and again, this is subject to change, the lowest goes Justin Ross, then John Mechie, then George Pickens, then Alec Pierce. And again, you're, you're always going to have guys that are really low on here that end up doing well, like Amon Ross St. Brown. You're going to have guys that are really high that don't do well because, well, that's just the nature of the NFL. But again, this is largely based on grades and statistics and trying to grab what I think encapsulate as best as I can what makes a good receiver and try to contextualize it. I also put in um, as sort of, um, I'm using currently strength of schedule, which is a thing. 
but I may switch that to just program strength for, I mean, I'm not going to go into all my reasons for why I'm doing that, but there are reasons why I think that may work better, but that is a factor. So Drake London's strength of schedule grade is a 6.58. Christian Watson gets a 1 out of 10. Traylon Burks, 9.68 from Arkansas. Chris Olave, 9.79 Ohio State, right? There's also a rank grade because I want to kind of correct for what the draft media says. It doesn't, you know, it's really just to take out the outliers. I don't want a guy that is like ranked 500th to be number one. Now, he still could be if he has good enough marks, but I put that as just as kind of a buffer. But then on top of that, you got the PFF grade, the receiving grade, the yards per route run, contested catch, um, RAS, all these things kind of built in. And then it's just a matter of how much each one is weighted. And I play with the weights and things until it's sorted in such a way that looks like a, a, you know, a a solid ranking. And again, I use prior years to find out what a good ranking is. Also going to brag on myself a little bit. I changed the way that I'm doing this. Um, so that what I did, I started a brand new sheet after doing all this work because what I figured it would be better to do is spend more work on the back end. So I have to do less work on the, you know, when, when the time comes. And so I have a, a, within the sheet, a database for all the RAS grades, as well as a database for all the PFF grades and all the statistics that I need. And then I have my main sheet do a lookup and a search in each of these different categories. So when I copy and paste Traylon Burks, it pulls in all the information across the board and spits out a grade based on the formula. So super jacked up about that. I just did that for Edge Rusher. That's the only one that's done. So that's why we are going to talk about Edge because rather than having to do manual data entry, which takes forever and each pro- each prospect takes, you know, several minutes, might take me 5, 10, 20 minutes. I don't know how long to, to fill in all the information. Now I can just do copy, paste, and copy, paste, and copy, paste. And so I went through every single edge prospect and just pasted them all in. And with the exception of a couple, because they didn't play in 2021, which causes problems or whatever, but that was just like two guys. Um, I now have 45 prospects. Well, 44, because I, I added in Derek Hall, the pass rusher out of 20 in 2023, just because I wanted to see how that stacked up. But I've got my overall grade and I've got my overall ranking. And the cool thing is now that I can see everybody you can kind of see where potentially there are maybe some outliers. Now, again, there's a couple guys like Christopher Allen out of Alabama who ranks way too high because he didn't really play very much. Same with Taylor Riggins out of Buffalo. But there is one guy that is really, really high on my list. So aside from the two guys that didn't play very much and this one guy I want to talk about, my rankings are Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, David Ajabo, Arnold Debichetti, uh Nick Benito, then you got Derek Hall from next year, Boye Mafe, George Karloftis, and then kind of down the line. It's, I mean, it's a pretty solid thing. I mean, the only one that seems way off is Jermaine Johnson, and we can go through the individual things to kind of show what it is that's pulling him down. But there's one guy that stands out. Now, he's a really small school guy, and this is kind of what, what got me thinking maybe what I should do is rather than, um, although his, his, his program, his strength of schedule is not that low. It's not like... NDSU, it's it's he they rank 79th, which you know is is higher than San Diego State and Western Michigan and um I mean it's 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 around where Cal is, you know. Western Kentucky is 76, Virginia Tech is 62nd. So I I I want to dock him more, especially because there's always a guy out of this program. And and if you're if you're in tune with the draft enough, you probably know not only who I'm talking about, but what program I'm talking about. 
Every year, there's a guy from this program that is a pass rusher that is six foot seven, 270 pounds. And every year, they are, you know, sort of either u- uber athletic or just their size or their stats or whatever is kind of through the roof. And um, they usually go kind of mid to late rounds and they usually don't pan out super well. But the guy I'm talking about is Alex Wright out of UAB. And again, this may just be one of the glitches in the system, but he stood out and I wanted to get rid of him. I'm like, well, maybe he didn't play very much. Like, yeah, he did. And I was like, well, maybe his program isn't that great. And it's like, well, he's 79th. And then maybe, maybe, maybe. I couldn't dock the guy. I just can't pull him down. And the funny thing is, I did all this work. And then later on, I wanted to look him up. And I'm like, I can't remember what the guy's name was. And so I said, pass rusher UAB. And sure enough, the name pops up pretty quickly. But One of the first things you'll find when you type in pass rusher UAB is an article by Mr. Paul Rettel. Green Bay Packers to meet with UAB edge rusher Alex Wright. Interesting. The Green Bay Packers are one of the best pass rushing duos in Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, both of whom would finish in top 10 among edge rushers in terms of pressures generated last season. However, that doesn't mean that the position is not upgradable. In fact, it very much is. As good as Smith and Gary were in 2021, the depth of the unit was still a concern and remains one now. He adds in this note, it says, according to Justin Mello of the Draft Network, one name that the Green Bay Packers are interested in is UAB's Alex Wright. Mello would also add, let's see, where is this? This is on Twitter. Let me go find it real quick before I continue reading. So here's what Justin Mello says on Twitter. UAB Edge Alex Wright met formally at the Combine and will soon meet virtually with Saints, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Cardinals, Dolphins, Titans, Packers, 49ers, Vikings, Ravens, Colts, and Eagles. There's tons of interest in the natural tools, 6'5", 271, 34-inch arms. Anyways, continuing on with Paul's article, Mello would also add that the Packers, along with several other teams, met with Wright at the Combine. He says he certainly fits the mold and other edge rushers that Brian Gutekunst has targeted, whether that be free agency or the draft. Relatively speaking, Wright is somewhat an inexperienced player with just 987 career snaps over three years, including 443 this past season. He would go on to record 51 pressures, tied for the 14th most among edge rushers, five sacks in 2021, and held his own against the run. Here's what Ben Fennell said on Twitter. He's got a whole uh, little video segment that you can go check out, go search for it. I don't know exactly the best way to find it. Probably just find this article. But he writes up, Edge Alex Wright, UAB, 6'7", 270, massive outside linebacker slash defensive end, long strides, first step to to threaten vertical, inside, outside, through, clubs, rips, swipes, tons of pressures, minimal sack production, uh, CUSA, Defensive Player of the Year, blah, blah, blah. NFL comp is Marcus Davenport. Now, that isn't exactly my... I wish I could remember the guy's freaking... There's always a guy. When I think every year, I'm like, there's always a UAB guy that's 6'7". I think he was on the Chiefs. I'm going to find him. It might not even be UAB, but this is the guy I go to every year. Well, in this case, it's Villanova, but Tano Passanio. I could swear he didn't go to Villanova, but anyways... That's that's where my brain goes when I think about guys like this. Six foot seven, he was two eighty nine. That's just what I think of when I think of these guys. And there's always a guy. And by the way, the, the the thing with Alex Wright, some of these guys. Part of the issue with my big board is I don't know what their RAS is. This is why I was asking the other day if there's any way to kind of gauge it, just to get a rough estimate. You know, are are they bad? Are they mediocre? Are they really good in terms of their athleticism? If I don't know, I just plug in either like a six or a seven. I gave him a six which is very low when you look at Aiden Hutchinson, 988, Kayvon Thibodeau, 96, the guys below him, 938, 913, 934. If he's even a 7 or an 8, or a, he goes up kind of a lot. But I don't know exactly what his athleticism is. 
I know for Tano Passigno, who is a later round guy that was not super speedy, 483, which is a, uh, he had a 738 overall RAS score with a 483 speed, just because he's so big. And he actually measured in at 6'6, 289. And actually, Alex Wright came in shorter. He was 6'5, 272. So he was two inches shorter than, than he was listed. But, anyways, massive human being. Paul goes on in his article, he says, for what it's worth, he was PFF's third highest graded edge rusher as well. Wright does have some minimal experience lining up inside, but was primarily used in the traditional edge rusher role. He also has some special teams experience, 150 career snaps to be exact. Paul goes on to give a quote. It's a great article, by the way. Gives a quote of an interview that that he had done. He says, my set of go-to moves may differ based on my weekly opponent, said Wright in an interview with Mello. It depends on who we're playing against. I'm comfortable switching it up every week if I have to. I look to identify certain tells on tape throughout the week of film study. I love using the cross chop on certain offensive tackles. I love the bull rush and swipe moves as well. Those are top three moves in my pass rush arsenal currently. It all depends on the offensive tackles, really. And here is what Lance Zerline of NFL.com has to say about him in his draft scouting report. Developmental defensive end who is still growing into his body and his position, right, will likely look much different in pads within a couple years. His current play lacks recognition, sophistication, and technique. However, he's a young player who flashes and still posts good uh, rush production, albeit versus lesser blockers. In a projection-based model uh, where additional size, strength, and technique improvements are likely, his athleticism becomes even more impressive weapon as both a run defender and pass rusher, so he's implying that he is quite athletic. He will require a run uh, a runway for development, but his he's worth a mid-round selection as a potential three-down starter. So that also works in our favor. Now, that's not to say we don't need a guy that can play, but the point is, can you play at... You don't have to be elite. Rashawn Gary was not necessarily elite as a rookie. He had a lot of flaw. We have an opportunity to develop guys. So you can play in whatever capacity you can play, but at the same time, you end up being a number three, number four, whatever pass rusher in the meantime. Here is something else to keep in mind, and this is something I think that's going to be a pretty major change for me going forward. I've, I've referenced it in the past as just sort of a side note, and I think I'm going to take it from a side note to a much more prominent portion of how I view things. For, for years, you've heard me talk about PFF's pressure rate, which is really just their pressures divided by their pass rush snaps, because I want to know how many times when you're trying to get to the quarterback, do you get to the quarterback? If you look at Alex Wright, 51 pressures, which, as Paul mentioned, is really, really high. I forget exactly where he said that ranks, but it ranks really high. Only 276 attempts, which puts him at 18.5%, which is really, really high. One of the major changes I made to my big board as far as calculations is um, I changed it from pressures as well as PRP, which is, uh, again, a proprietary metric based on pressures but weights it higher towards sacks than hits and hits than hurries and and then hurries whatever and I don't know exactly what that formula is but it, it it does that so I use that as well as win percentage those are the three pass rush things on top of his pass rush grade that I use but what I decided would be better would be to use true pass sets as I said true pass sets give you a much cleaner identity it's it's the equivalent of a quarterback's Um, completion percentage compared to adjusted completion percentage. Adjusted completion percentage just throws out all the garbage stuff. Now, that's not to say adjusted completion percentage is always better, because again, it depends on the question you're asking. But I think generally it's going to give you a better number because usually you don't care. You don't want to dock the quarterback for a wide receiver dropping the ball. They also get rid of things like throwaways, which again, maybe you want to put that on the quarterback. Maybe that's a wide receiver thing. Um, 
batted passes. Again, kind of a quarterback issue, so maybe you want that included in there, but it really doesn't go to, if you're looking for a, a metric that is especially geared toward accuracy, adjusted completion percentage is a much better metric. In fact, an even better metric would be on-target passing, which I don't think PFF has, but um, that's that's just a purely, how many times when you throw it through it, was it an accurate pass? And then all the other stuff doesn't matter. But true pass sets is basically the same thing. It's 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 throwing out a lot of the garbage. And when you look at um, Alex Wright in particular, and it's funny, if you go watch Alex Wright, this is especially important for a guy like Alex Wright, because when you watch UAB and the way that they run their defense, and I'm not going to pretend to, you know, we we can have uh, Sam Holman or Coach Hawn or whatever kind of talk more about this. It's it's probably a a college thing, but they have very prominently a three-man defensive front. A lot. And I don't think you need Coach Hawn or Sam Holman to explain this to you, but what is the major complication with a three-man defensive front? Pretty much everybody's double team. And so a lot of the time when he's on a three-man defensive front, he's, on, he's, he's running a three-man rush, he's getting double teamed. Well, it's not really right to dock a guy for not being able to win against a double team. True pass sets throws that out. Of his 276 attempts, only 93 accounted for his true pass sets. So if we look at his how many pressures he got in his true pass sets and his uh and divide that by how many opportunities he had as a true pass set, his number goes from 18.5 to 32.3%. Now granted, everybody skewed and not I shouldn't say everybody, but the general number moves up. Most people do better when you get one-on-ones. There are some people that drift down though. There are some people who rely more on scheme. We've seen this sometimes in the NFL where some guys will drop. By the way, true pass sets is the metric that I use to to declare to you that Whitney Merciless is going to be a really good football player or potentially a really good football player when he comes here because he jumped up exponentially and not just he went up as everybody else went up. It wasn't, you know, at the same rate. He jumped a bunch of people on that. He was really low on the list in terms of pressure rate. He ended up going from like third from the bottom to second from the top in true pass set pressure rate. And my my whole thinking was, over with the Texans, he's taken on double teams or whatever the situation is. When he comes here, he's going to have a lot more one-on-one opportunities, and he does really well with those. And that's the same, especially so with Alex Wright, because again, go watch Alex Wright. I spent a good amount of time watching everything I could with Alex Wright. I I had to download a video to watch one of his uh, All-22 things because I can't play it online, so I got a database of downloaded videos on my computer. But I was watching Alex Wright, and, and yeah, he, he takes a huge portion of his plays are double teams, but when he's one-on-one, he wins almost all the time. He has complete control of the guy in front of him. And, and yes, the it is lesser competition. I was talking to JJ a couple days ago, and he was talking about, as I've talked about before, the, the complication of, of assessing lower-level competition. And he had made the comment, you know, if, if you're a, a wide receiver playing for a smaller school, you should you should look like Calvin Johnson to me, and and a equivalent to that is if if you're playing for UAB and you're a pass rusher, you should look like Khalil Mack. In my opinion, he is Khalil Mack at that level. He's Khalil Mack. What does that make him in the NFL? I don't know. But you go watch him when he has one on one opportunities and tell me he's not Khalil Mack because he is. I mean, he just he just dominates. He's just better. He's bigger. He's faster. He's stronger than everybody. I mean, there's a reason why you get to this level. But the the fact of the matter is, I mean, if we look at my big board here. Um, and just the statistics, because as I said, everybody goes up. But if you look at his um, pressure percentage based on on those metrics of uh, 32.26, according to my sheet here, 
The only guy that's a name that you've even heard of that's also really, really high, by the way, another guy to really pay attention to, you know what? We might have to wait to talk about this because he jumped up my board massively when I changed this. I want to look at him. I just want to see something real quick before I say his name. No, he's relatively high as far as his pass rush anyways, but um, Kingsley Enigbare. Alex Wright is sitting at, um, where are we at here? 32.26%, Kingsley Enigbare, 29.27. So I'm going to have to come up with a new metric of what, as far as true pass sets, pressure rate is like really, really good. Maybe it's 20%, 15%. I don't really know. But just to give you some context here, Aiden Hutchinson is at 26%. So remember, Alex Wright is at 32%. Aiden Hutchinson, who's a freak, 26%. Um, Boye Mafe, 23%. Kayvon Thibodeau, 22.8%. Um, Nick Benito, 22%. Um, Ebikady, 21. MyJ Sanders, 21. Drake Jackson, 21. Um, scrolling, scrolling. David Ajabo is at 20. Uh, Cam Thomas, 19. George Karloftis, 19. Sam Williams, 17. Jermaine Johnson, 16. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, 16. Do, 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 do. Uh, we threw pretty much everybody that matters, pretty much. Uh, Pascal is at 14. So I, I think it's fair to assume that, you know, when you're talking Kayvon Thibodeau and whatnot at 22, Aiden Hutchinson at 26, if you get 25, you're kind of in an elite category. Again, Alex Wright, 32%. If you look at win percentage, which again is, a, is another great metric, kind of on the opposite end of sacks, you know, sacks is getting there. Pressure is you won and you kind of got to the quarterback, but you didn't quite bring him down. And win percentages, you just whip the guy in front of him. Alex Wright is number three on this list. You got Taylor Riggins, who's Buffalo, who doesn't count. The other guy that keeps popping up is Allie Gay. I'm not positive if Allie Gay also needs to be removed from this list or not. Um, LSU. Oh, he's 2023. There you go. I, I got two at 2023 guys on here. Allie Gay is another one. Um, so he doesn't count. That's a guy to keep an eye on next year. Phenomenal number. He kept popping up. I'm like, who the heck is Allie Gay? Uh, LSU guy for next year. Alex Wright. So Alex Wright is number one on the list because Ty- Taylor Riggins needs to be removed and Allie Gay is 2023. He's number one in win percentage, but he is at 39.5%. Again, Kingsley Anikbare, um, who is obviously playing for a bigger school, 39.2%. Um, but 395 for Wright, 392 for Kingsley. Kayvon Thibodeau is at 37.1, Aiden Hutchinson 37. So elite category right there. It, could, it drops after that. Ebukati is at 34%. So from 37 down to 34. But I mean, the, again, the bottom line is this guy is just dominant. And you, you got to dock him a little bit for where he went to school. And again, I did that. He still comes out on top. So another guy to kind of keep an eye on. Um, again, if there's two guys that I think you should check out, sort of mid to late round guys, as in one is mid, one might be kind of late. Alec Pierce, and then Alex Wright, who, again, the Packers have had uh, a meeting with already so far as a potential depth pass rusher. Anyways, we should probably take a break here. Please remember to check out the GoFundMes that we have. We've got the one over pinned on my uh, Twitter. We've got another one over in the Packer and Podcast Facebook group pinned to the top. Um, if you're able, if you're willing to give a little bit for that, that would be um, fantastic. Remember to check out A Modern Frontier. Um, I think I need to reach out to Adam very, very soon because I am kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. I've still got my stakes I got to do, and the weather's starting to to perk up a little bit finally. We have had a really brutal couple weeks here. It was beautiful like two weeks ago. It was like pushing 70 and sunny, and then all of a sudden it was like, that's too much nice for you, and it was like 30s, and I haven't hardly seen the sun. 
it's been cloudy, it's been rainy, it's been snowing. It's starting to warm up a little bit, but with the warm weather comes all the rain, so it's been like, okay, it'll be 40, like right now it's 45, but it's pouring rain outside. But it should kind of be sunny around earlier this morning, and then when it gets to 50, it'll be cloudy, so it's like, you're teasing me a little bit, and I'm fine with it. But it looks like Sunday, 56 and sunny, so there might be a little bit there, and then we get a couple days of 60, although it's probably going to be cloudy and rainy, but what, what we're getting there, man, that's the point. We're getting there, we're getting to the point where, um, we're you know... It's, it's, it's just a matter of time. You ever get into a fight with a clock? I used to do this in school all the time. I, I, I literally envisioned the clock was like my enemy. I hated school so much. When I got to school, you look up at the clock and you have hours and hours. And I just envisioned the clock laughing at me. Like, dude, I got this. But then it's kind of like a Rocky story, right? By the, by the end of the school, you got like one hour left. You kind of look up at the clock and smirk like, what up, dude? What up, man? I know I'm still here. I know it's been a long day. I know I got a, an hour's a long time, but uh, I got this. I got you on the ropes now, buddy. That's kind of how I feel with uh, with winter, right? It's trying to hang on. It's 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 trying so hard to just hang on to these thirty degree days. Give me one last blast of snow. Whenever the whenever the 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 heat comes, it's like give them clouds. But I know you can't hold on forever, man. Got you on the ropes, winter. The heat's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. And I'm going to bask in it. I hope it's 90 every day. I don't even care. I hope I'm miserable with heat. I hope I can't breathe when I walk outside. I'm going to cook so much meat this year, it's going to be disgusting. Disgusting, I tell you. Amodernfrontier.com. It's a great place to get your meat. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. We'll take a break. Be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we're starting to get an absolute flurry of news about this guy's visiting that guy and these teams are visiting this guy and this guy's visiting these teams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Marcus Jones visiting the Vikings. You got uh, Eric Izukama is visiting the Raiders. But you've also got news about the Green Bay Packers. We've already talked about a couple of those. I think yesterday I mentioned that um, Tyquan Thornton was in Green Bay. We also found out yesterday that George Pickens was in Green Bay working out with the Packers. Then after that, we find out Velus Jones, wide receiver, was visiting the Green Bay Packers. There's also a report, this via Aaron Wilson, sources, Nebraska standout wide receiver, Samore Toure, drawing heavy interest from the Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, Green Bay Packers, Indianapolis Colts, and San Francisco 49ers. What is interesting about everything I've said after the break? Have you noticed anything interesting about what I've been saying? particularly in regard to the Green Bay Packers. I mentioned, what, three different people they've had in on, on visits and one person that's drawing heavy interest from the Packers. Four guys I just talked about. All four are wide receivers. I didn't mention a single safety that came to Green Bay, a single edge rusher. I did talk about their interest prior to the draft, but that was at the combine. Not somebody that came into Green Bay, not a rumor that they're really interested in this guy or that guy, nothing. I didn't mention a defensive tackle. I didn't mention a linebacker, a quarterback, a punter, nothing. Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Now, another interesting thing about that, with the exception of, of George Pickens, but by the way, George Pickens is f- kind of falling down the board, whereas he was kind of a early second, maybe first round pick, kind of falling down to a second round pick kind of a deal here. Here's a question. The first, the, the first thought, obviously, is they're, they're very clearly doing their homework on wide receiver. That shows you that they're definitely going to be drafting wide receiver, and then you get all giddy and excited about it. But here's sort of the secondary thought that hits you after you think about it for a second. A lot of these guys are mid-round picks. Now, that doesn't have to mean anything. It, you know, it, it could obviously mean they, they end up getting Chris Olave in the first, but they want to double or even triple up at wide receiver, and they want to make sure that they get some good hits, and they want to do their homework on it. It also could be the case that they understand what I was saying in terms of, remember what I said, what, yesterday or the day before? What if there's a run at wide receiver? What do you do? What if the price is too high and you don't want to do anything or you don't end up getting any of these deals done and you don't end up getting any of the guys that you love in the draft? What are you going to do? You're doomed, right? Because right now you're, you're, you're a team that's ready to compete, but you got one glaring need at wide receiver. What are you going to do? The only thing I could think is do, your, do the absolute best you can do your your absolute best due diligence on every single wide receiver prospect that you can. Make sure you have it down to a science. You know everything about them. By the time this is done, if I list off a wide receiver, you can tell me their favorite kind of pizza. You know the best game, their worst game, their strengths, their weaknesses. You know their character inside and out. You know their best friend's middle name. And even for guys like George Pickens, the question becomes, okay, what if, what if the guys we like, and understand, just because they're on a, a first-round board doesn't mean the Packers like them. There might be guys at the, you know, Traylon Burks, maybe they just don't genuinely like that much. And so they wouldn't take him at 22 or 28. Or maybe he's long gone or, or what? That, uh, that's all I'm saying. 
If there's five guys listed as first-round prospects, you know some of them aren't going to make it. And there's also the possibility, Jamison Williams, for example, is a guy that you could see the Packers maybe just not being super interested in. You know, he's too small. He's just a speed guy. Uh, injury history, whatever the, whatever the issue might be, Packers might not be super interested in. So maybe you look at a guy like George Pickens, and the question is, do we take him at 28? Is this a guy we could take? Because almost assuredly he's going to be available, and we know we like him. Is, is there value there? Can we squeeze that value out? Can we find it in him? Or let's bring him in because he's falling right now, and there's a chance he ends up making it to our first or possibly even second second-round pick, and we want to know for sure, is this a guy that we're going to take? Because again, if we don't hit in the first round, we got to make sure we know what we're doing beyond that. So we're looking at second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round prospects, and we want to know everything. Is your your wide receiver ability, your special teams ability, which is what Valus Jones is mostly known for, at least if you ask Twitter about it. He's purely a special teamer. But either way, whether you want to see this as a massive positive, as you know, the Packers are going to draft a lot of wide receivers probably early and often. Or you see this as just a potential, you know, security thing, an insurance policy. Either way, we know that they're taking wide receiver very seriously. It might not seem like it because they haven't done anything yet, but they have tried. They have called everybody. They're in on every conversation. Um, I know some of us wish they were a little bit more reckless so that they could just get something done just to help us sleep a little better at night. But there's no question in my mind that that wide receiver weighs heavy on there. No matter what Brian Gutekunst says when he goes to the podium, they are absolutely going to work real hard on wide receiver. That's all we've heard. Every, every conversation we've heard, every, every phone call that's made about the Packers we've heard is about wide receiver. Every draft prospect, at least recently, that has come in for a visit is a wide receiver. Drawing heavy interest, wide receiver. So I think tomorrow I'm going to do something a little bit more comprehensive on that in terms of looking at more fully what the Packers have, have been involved in so far, who's been in on visits and all those things, and then looking at those prospects in particular as well as looking at where the Packers have been in terms of their visits. Obviously, they've been to most of these prospects. When I say they, I mean at least somebody. But I especially want to know where Brian Gutekunst has been. And usually these are bigger programs that have a bunch of prospects. You can kind of do a bunch at once. I know they went to, for example, Penn State's Pro Day, which Im- immediately made everyone think Jahan Dotson, which I-, I-, I will agree with the sentiment that it's not impossible that they're at least getting a look at him to see, again, due diligence. I know he doesn't fit the mold, but could he be the guy? I mean, he's standing there. I, I really doubt that he's like closing his eyes when Je- Jahan Dotson is running out there. He's an extremely talented wide receiver. They're going to at least take a look at it. But again, there's there's a bunch of other prospects to look at. And that's usually where um, Brian Gutekunst goes. But I also remember when they went to Michigan's Pro Day the year we got Rashawn Gary. And Rashawn Gary was, I remember we were trying to figure out who they were looking at. And I tried to convince myself it wasn't Rashawn Gary. And it was shortly after that it, that it dawned on me, this might be a legitimate prospect. Like, it doesn't feel like it. I don't know why they would, but it's like, I, I forget exactly when it was, but I, I, I ended up in one of my episodes kind of saying, we need to talk about the possibility that Rashawn Gary is legitimately somebody that they're interested in. And uh, it might be worth at least possibly contemplating Jahan Dotson. I don't think that that's a, a premier option. And I know they have their reservations about it. But again, for every rule, there's an exception. Is he good enough to be the exception to the rule? I mean, 5'11 is basically six foot. He weighed in at 178. We could probably call him 180. I think that's, if I have to give you a third assignment, that's it. Go watch Jahan Dotson and tell me, is he good enough to be an exception or should we continue to rule him out? Just just double check real quick, because I haven't even watched Jahan Dotson in a very long time because I feel like it's not worth it. There's no chance. But anyways, I got to wrap it up there. You've got your three assignments. Go watch Alec Pierce. Tell me if you like the guy. 
Go watch Alex Wright. Pay special attention to when he's not double teamed. Don't get discouraged by, oh man, he lost again while two guys are blocking him. And then go watch Shahan Dotson just one more time. At what point do the Packers say, you know what, the value is just good enough? Let's take a flyer. I mean, let's forget first round. What if Jahan has a slide? What if he does make it to him with their first or second second round pick? Do the Packers say, you know what, let's try it. Let's see what happens. There's got to be a point at which they do it. What is that point? Is it 28? Is it 53? Is it 59? But anyways, check it out. Let me know. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.